When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. If you've ever driven a tractor, you are her friend. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Boy, Mother Nature just does not want spring to arrive, does it? Good Monday morning, everybody. I'm the fabulous Farm Beat Pam Yonke, and I'll tell you, I'm just as frustrated as you are as far as this weather is concerned. I uh, talked with a National Weather Service staff member on Saturday, and he said, yeah, the storm that came through Wisconsin was on steroids for those folks that picked up the seven eight inches of snow. Uh, it was definitely a clean out weekend. It's still out there this morning and it looks like we might have more on the way. Uh, looks like a partly cloudy sky for Monday. 43 are expected high. Partly sunny tomorrow. 46. Then Wednesday another 50% chance of uh, snow showers. 36 are expected high. Thursday another 60% chance of precipitation. 48 are expected high. Friday up to 50 degrees, but an 80% chance of precipitation. So it is going to be a mud ball, a mud fest across the state of Wisconsin this week. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist will check in with weather details. You know, that being said, there's a lot of people that are now starting to get a little anxious about what spring is going to look like for Wisconsin farmers. And that includes a lot of folks that are still feeding hay to their livestock while they're maybe being protected from the elements. How is our hay supply looking? What about the winter kill possibilities? That's just one of the topics we tackle for on Monday. The barn was full at the recent Professional Dairy Producers of Wisconsin Annual Business Conference in Wisconsin Dells. Among the featured speakers, Dan Bossy, who is president of Ag Resource Company headquartered in Chicago, but with offices all over the world, he gave the economic outlook on agriculture and what's ahead. We had a chance to visit with Dan to talk about the fact that uh, economics have changed. Did you ever imagine they would be changing in agriculture this much, Dan? No, I really can't, Bob. I mean, I, I, I remember being at the uh, the dinner table with my grandfather as a young kid saying, you know, we're never going to see corn yields get above 100 bushels and acres or cows produce 20,000 pounds, but technology has just taken us to a place, and with that technology comes uh, obviously the, the volatility that markets have uh, unleashed on us. But, you know, the world today is less certain as rates are rising and the fight of inflation is going on. There's so many wars around the world, whether it's Russia and Ukraine, central banks against inflation, or maybe even Mother Nature against the world crops. And as uh, you mentioned, the banks, let's start there. With the banks in the United States and the East and the West Coast, and we're not done yet. No, there are shoes still dropping, and when you put pressure points on the financial system of the rate increase that we have had to date, you will see other th uh, things break, if you will. And so, you know, we did see the Fed, U.S. Uh, Central Bank uh, step in and assure all depositors, but that doesn't mean that shareholders are going to be made whole. And Europe, we have the Saudi uh, bank coming forward this morning and suggesting that, indeed, they're not going to fund uh, Credit Suisse. And so Credit Suisse may be in a peculiar, difficult position in terms of reserves. Th this whole thing is spreading because people have assets on their balance sheets which are being degraded by rising rates and you know it's something that's going to continue here until we actually get some uh, sense of uh, solidarity and confidence within the whole system. I think that's going to take a few months not a few days. And as we look at uh, the interest rates the average person out there says it's hard to pay our bills now. You're going to raise interest rates even more. What is the logic behind that? 
So we've got a we've got a problem here. We've got a central bank that has one hammer in the toolbox, which is called rising rates and trying to smash demand. What the world really needs today is more supply. It needs more grain, more 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 cows, more milk, more protein. It needs more homes. It needs more automobiles. It needs a supply chain that works. And unfortunately, that's not what the central bank does. They don't make any of that stuff. And so they are hammering on demand. When you hammer on demand like that through rising rates, as I said, things break and things happen. And that's kind of where we're at. I hope that after an increase, maybe next week, the bank puts or hits the pause button because we need to all refresh and catch our breath. As we look at the world saying we need more of this, we need more of that, farmers can respond in this country at least, and they produce more of this and more of that. But they're not getting more for it. No, that's right, and everybody has their hand in their pocket, and so it's a, it's a dance that's going on right now, though I will tell you that this is the first time in our research that America's reached something we call peak farmland, where there, there isn't an availability of additional arable land to be brought into production unless we steal it from the CRP, and USDA and Vilsack seems to be very much against that today. So as we look at it, we're going to have to look abroad if we need another 20 or 25 million acres. Largely, they all come from South America, so Brazil and it's, uh, it's a recalibration of agriculture and renaissance, if you will, is going to be the big deal for the next 10 or 20 years. How does that then affect uh, American agriculture? I know Americans are investing in Brazil and Argentina and places like that, but the overall agriculture economy in this country looks at those countries in South America still as as competitors. When I first got in this business 44 years ago, the U.S. accounted for 64% of world agricultural trade. That number today is down around 10 or 11%. And so we're domesticating agriculture in the United States. It may be a good thing if uh, China ever turns away from us, but when I think about Brazil, it was just 10 years ago that they hardly exported any corn. Now the USDA is forecasting them to be the world's largest corn exporter. That's why I said it is a renaissance of Brazil in terms of its ability to produce for the world. We are still there, but we are now becoming less uh, tied to exports than we've been in prior cycles. But if we look at uh, America, 10 or 11 percent, it sounds to me like with Brazil, South America, and other parts of the world that can be turned into agricultural giants, that number for us is going to go down. Well, it is, and it's going to be a little depressing in terms of our profitability. There is this thing uh, happening around 2060, which we call peak farmland globally. And at that point, when we absorb all those acres in the Black Sea in South America, that's when the yield and the whole production story really gets interesting in terms of what will happen to global agriculture. But today, there's still 18 million acres in South America, maybe something like 14 to 15 in the Black Sea that can be brought into production. We never know what's going to happen in Africa. Africa kind of a black hole. But suggesting that we are getting to the end where humankind needs to be more cognizant of technology and yield and food production will be more technologically based than it's ever been before. As you look at it, and in our state of Wisconsin, we're looking at a lot of pressure from putting up solar panels on producing agricultural land, putting up more wind turbines. How do you justify that economically with the demand for clean power? I see a lot of things crossing my desk where there's there's either solar panel or wind farms or proposals. Uh, it's very hard to pass some of these down because the the amount of money they offer over a 20 to 40 year time frame is immense. And so when you look at this, 
you know, the farmer needs to decide what his opportunities were. My big concern in the whole thing is, will these uh, emerging technological advances in, in energy be there 20 years from now, or will the world keep turning so quickly that these solar farms won't be needed? Uh, we uh, calculated ag resource, there may be somewhere between 250 and 350,000 acres this year cobbled up by by solar farms. And so this is land that we need to have in food production, but again, a farmer sees a better profitability model for something else. He has a choice to move to it. That's our country. But I do worry a little bit about the, uh, the farmland. But once you put a solar panel down into the ground and with all the concrete and all the other wires that are needed, it's probably not coming back to a farming position anytime soon. Technology has been wonderful as far as uh, making us and allowing us to produce more on less land. But as you look at it with the pressure for land, what do you see as the limit? We are not certain of that limit at this point. In fact, I'm, I hold a conference in Geneva, Switzerland, in which we will be talking about what is the limit. Can we, you know, when we look at the U.S. corn yield contest every year, those limits are being pushed upwards to four to 500 bushels per acre on dry land farming. And so we know there's opportunity there, but we need to, in the next 15 years get to where the U.S. corn yield is going somewhere from 177 bushels an acre, which is a record a day, closer to 200 or 210. That's what needs to happen, and technology is going to be that driver. I hope that Mother Nature allows it, but that maybe is the big question with climate changing as much as it is. Is that technology to get us there affordable for the farmer with the return on investment with fertilizer, seed costs, pesticide, chemical costs? It should be, but you know, uh, we don't know how deep the hand goes into the farm pocket. Once that technology gets in his pocket, it's hard to bring it out. And then as we look at the position of age of the average U.S. farmer now being closer to 68 and a half years, you know, will there be this massive consolidation that some people think as technology grabs hold? These are things we have to work out yet. I sit as vice chairman of Farm Foundation. We try to look at these issues and go forward, but we're hopeful that the profitability margins for the U.S. farmers stay relatively strong, at least for the next five years. Can these younger farmers coming on afford it? Bob, if you don't come from a farmer, there's old money behind you. It's very, very difficult to get into agriculture. It's so capital intensive. And so as you think about it, I mean, the discussions have been had within USD and others. $600,000 is all a new farmer can get in terms of trying to start an, an operation. That is just not enough to buy acreage and get capital, buy equipment. And so it is impossible or very difficult to get into this business unless a family member, an older family member, is willing to grant it or give it to you. So it's some Something we in agriculture need to have a broader discussion of. Today, I, 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 the pressures are there, but no one seems to be really grabbing a hold of the opportunity to have this discussion and move forward about ways that we all can come together and find means that these younger people can come into our business. Does that make a challenge for corporate money owning more and more of our farmland or even rich foreign investors? The discussion over foreign investors is already ongoing because of China today, and I think that will only broaden as we go forward. Let me reflect in Brazil and other countries in the world that is changing where they're actually looking for capital to come in because they're still expanding. But we in America, because we've reached this peak farmland, will probably start to have more concerns about who's owning U.S. farmland. But I still think it's a very 
good and attractive asset down the road. We need to do more in terms of yield. Uh, but I do think there will be this uh, political discussion on ownership. And then as we get older, will, of course, corporate America serve the land as the same way that you and I would as a farmer today? With the economics of where agriculture is coming, where it's going, and it's uh, going in a different direction than we've known traditionally. Dan, uh, thanks for the update. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Dan Bossy from Ag Resource, main speaker at the Professional Day Producers of Wisconsin Annual Business Conference. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They take forever to return your call. When they do show up, they leave your house a mess, and then they throw in weird surprises. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who does return your calls, leaves your property clean, and never any awkward surprises. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. Hi, this is Jacqueline Anderson from the National Weather Service, and we need your help. Every day, precipitation reports are sent in through a group called Copa Ross. By telling us how much rain, snow, or sleet you got, you give us ground truth to what the conditions are like out there. Current conditions are the foundation to every forecast and help supplement our radar precipitation estimates. Observers like you give us the most accurate information which helps make our forecast better. It's easy to join and only takes about two minutes a day. Thanks, Jackie. That's right, less than two minutes a day to become a part of the National Weather Service Rainfall Reporting Network. It helps them do a better job forecasting for you. Find all the details and get signed up today. WisconsinWeatherWatchers.org. Spell it all out. Wisconsin Weather Watchers and join forces with the National Weather Service in Wisconsin. Sprucing up your office space can be pretty darn simple with Office Furniture Warehouse of Madison. We design it, we install it, and we even give you a 5% referral discount. Better yet, we take care of the old stuff for you. You deserve a new look. Impressive office furniture with warehouse pricing makes Office Furniture Warehouse America's go-to office furniture store. Visit OFWGoMadison.com or stop by the showroom on Ronald Reagan Avenue on the north side. Did the chickens come home to roost last night? We'll find out. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Well, they sure better have come in to roost after all the crazy weather we picked up over the weekend. And it looks like it's going to stay crazy through the last part of March. Let's talk about it. Time for our Compure Financial Ag Weather Update on a Monday. I don't know what else to do but shake my head, Stu. I mean, honestly, I uh, was up by the farm on the weekend, ended up with about 10 inches up in the Green Bay area, 12 inches on my front step in Madison. I mean, you just you just have to shake your head. It doesn't look like spring's ever going to get a chance. No, it sure doesn't. That system kind of wavered into Saturday morning. We figured we had somewhere around 9 or 11 across Fond du Lac County. It blew and drifted. It was wet, sloppy snow, hard to clean up, very hard to drive in, as a lot of folks found out. Well, that's behind us, except for some cleanup. I just made enough paths to get through. I heard a lot of those comments on Saturday. I'm not clearing everything, just enough to get through, let Mother Nature melt it. 
Well, hopefully she gets a chance, but then there is some precipitation chance around here this week, too, to talk about. Let's look at a low-pressure system way off to our north today. It extends a cool front into northwest Minnesota, North Dakota. Have no fear. It's just an Arctic front that tries to drop on into Wisconsin. Not going to have a big influence at all. Just a weak front drops through. It's low pressure up out of the southwest. Then it'll catch on to that cool front. And that's about uh, Tuesday night or into Wednesday when there could be another chance of a little snow. Doesn't appear to be too great of a threat. Just a small chance for some light snow. Tuesday night, especially La Crosse and Boston, maybe lingering into Wednesday from Madison to Beaverdam to Fond du Lac. Not going to amount to much, but another rain-snow mix then trying to push its way back in as we look on toward Thursday or to wrap up the week. Maybe even more rain likely by Thursday night or into the day Friday. Well, that helps to melt off that snow, but means still some very wet conditions. Those fields aren't drying out all that quickly. Nothing's drying out all that quickly. So all these thoughts of early spring field work and getting things underway just kind of being pushed back again as the weather pattern does stay fairly active like it has for how many weeks now where it seems about Thursday or into Friday we get a round of precipitation or some very active weather. We have another one of those weeks in store. This one, though, does appear to be more rain as we look at Thursday and Friday. Yes, that does help to clean up that snow, but as I've said, means there's going to be a lot of moisture with it all over, and there's standing water almost everywhere you look around right now, so we're going to build on that. I'll have forecast details right after this. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Explore the West with me. I'm Pam Yonke, inviting you to join us on our next agriculture adventure, August 14th through the 23rd, Glacier, Yellowstone, and Grand Tetons, the ultimate Northern Rockies tour with agricultural highlights that take us to a hops farm, a cattle ranch, and a dairy farm. Visit HolidayVacations.com, keyword Pam, to learn more about this tour and watch a travel show, or call 888-557-1020 for a brochure. All righty, buddy, let's go with this forecast, then. It sounds like rain, but it's going to be a mud ball everywhere. Oh, absolutely. Let's look at a mostly sunny day today. Great. Yeah, the snow is melting. A lot of mid-40s, although La Crosse and Boston didn't get that much snow, and they're probably going to be up at 46 or better today, with a northeast breeze about 5. More clouds develop tonight everywhere, and we hold in the mid-20s, and the winds out of the east becoming south-southwest late in the night, some sunshine again Tuesday and back on the mild side, mid 40s, 44 to 46 and west winds about 5 to 10. Late Tuesday night, that chance of a little snow lingers into Wednesday, especially in south and eastern Wisconsin, ending in the west. The clouds start to clear out. In fact, though, later Wednesday, mid 30s, a big cool down. The northwest winds 5 to 10. And then we have to go on Thursday. I expect some of that rain or rain snow mixed toward Thursday afternoon. More likely talking about rain Thursday night into Friday, Pam. Yeah, Friday we could even find a low 50 for a high, but it's going to be very wet to wrap up the week. Ugh. All right. Well, like you said, at least it's going to be rain. No more pushing the pushing the shovel around, at least for right now. 
or getting the skid loader spun out and that oh, slippery stuff in the yard. Geez. Oh, that was a treat. Yeah, I know it. That honestly, that's yeah, I gotcha. All right, man. I think we're gonna have this kind of theme for the next couple of days. I'll catch up with you tomorrow. All right, see you then. All right, it's two mock egg meteorologist along with those weather details. Like we said, uh, not what any of us would like at this time of the year around the state of Wisconsin. Don't forget, rainfall reports uh, still going to be a critical part of what we want to talk about in the morning. The toll-free number that you can talk or text, 877-301-FARM, 877-301-3276. And, of course, still encouraging you to become a part of the Citizen Scientist Group for the National Weather Center and become one of their official rainfall reporters. Go to wisconsinweatherwatchers.org and get involved, wisconsinweatherwatchers.org. Ag weather on this Monday morning brought to you courtesy of our friends at Compure Financial. Compure Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compure.com. More on this weather's impact on the farm to-do list. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You can rely on Blaine's Farm and Fleet for the best prices on just about everything, like 50-pound bags of Waukesha Sure Tread Barn Line, just $3. Rewards members pay $2.25. Balin's six-rail utility gates, now 15% off. And 50-gallon square liquid transfer tanks from Apex, made of rugged reinforced 14-gauge steel construction, on sale $299.99. Rewards members pay $279.99. For the best prices on the products you need, shop Blaine's Farm and Fleet. I look at this dairy cow, and again, it's the animal that I love. The things that this dairy cow can do and the way that she can produce milk, to me, there is no substitute for milk in the world. And to be able to keep cows and help cows produce that for people, to me, that's a privilege. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Is fatigue and lack of libido keeping you on the injured reserve list? It could be symptoms of low testosterone. After the age of 30, men begin to notice this reduction in quality of life due to natural hormonal decline. But there is something you can do about it. Carbon World Health offers custom-designed hormone replacement treatment. They'll determine if you need testosterone replacement or growth hormone therapy. Don't let low T keep you on the bench. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. Hi, it's Preston from Window World. Over the past 15 years, Window World has donated more than $15 million to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. We have also supported the Veterans Airlift Command with over 120 flights. We have a strong belief in giving back and want to thank everyone who has chosen Window World for their home's renovation. When you go with Window World, you're doing a lot more than remodeling. Call us today. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home 
with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. When it comes to custom jewelry, get to know your Denny's jeweler. The way Denny's works custom is based on emotions and it's based on the clients, what they are feeling and wanting and looking for. And eventually it evolves into this piece of art. I'm Nick Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. really made it when you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want your aunt betty used to sleep on that old couch it's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from lazy boy furnishings and decor that chair it belonged to the dog time to start styling lazy decorators love lazy boy lazy boy home furnishings and decor madison east springs drive near east town mall While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers, like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment, tomsautocenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. How about Wisconsin being the last team out of the Big Ten? Yeah. Carry the torch into March. We can't say that. Why not? Because then we're accepting the NIT. Is the Big Ten bad? Yeah. I didn't think think Michigan State would make it past. I didn't think one Big Ten team would make it past the weekend. I'm surprised Michigan State did. Uh, Well, Wisconsin did. Come on. It wasn't going to be great when... The best team in the Big Ten was Purdue. And did you, you really think they should have been a one seed? I thought they were the best team in the Big Ten. Right. But well, I mean, did they deserve a one seed? I, I would have, if they would have gotten a one or a two, I would understand. I guess. But I, I mean, <laughs> but you, you of, sniffed them out as a one seed right away, Rowdy. They're like, according to these metrics, it was like Marquette, no, Purdue. No, and, that's yeah. the thing. It's like Purdue was the best team in the Big Ten. I know they kind of floundered. Down the stretch. Down the yeah. stretch, but they were clearly the best team in the Big Ten. Oh, absolutely. And then you were seeing all these metrics where it's like, hey, last 20 years or the last 23 years since 2000, if these teams fit these metrics, they haven't made it past the first weekend. Ding, ding, ding. Those teams are Purdue and Marquette, ding, 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 ding. both of which didn't make it past the first weekend. And then it. that was the best team in the Big Ten. Yeah. It wasn't pretty. Like, look at what the Big Ten did. You had what? Maryland get past, um, oh, who'd they play first round? It was an 8-9. But, it, oh, West Virginia. Yeah. But West that was Virginia a close game that Virginia. West Virginia had a double-digit lead in. Maryland got absolutely embarrassed round two. Now it was the number one seed, the number one seeded one seed Alabama, but they got embarrassed. Yeah. 
uh, Northwestern, they got their first tournament win. Good for Northwestern. But they didn't have a chance against UCLA. Game was way closer than it even should have been. And, and then you just go right on down the line. Illinois looked bad against Arkansas. You had... Um, well, I mean, here, here's some stats for you. Over the last three years, 2021, 22, 23, a total of 26 Big Ten teams have made the NCAA tournament. Only three have earned a spot in the Sweet 16, and that was including this year's Michigan State. Well, well like, that's the other thing. Purdue was the best team in the Big Ten. They get bounced by a 16 seed. They, A lot of people didn't think their projections were going to be great. It's not a good year when you look at the fact that Northwestern got their first NCAA tournament win. Penn State was one of the Big Ten teams that won in the first round. When Penn State and Northwestern are two of the teams having their quote-unquote better years, Mm -hmm. that ain't a good Big Ten. No. No. And then check this out as well. Since and I love... I'd say Northwestern more so than Penn State. There's a name in here. There's a name in here that'll be nice. Since 2015, only two Big Ten teams have made the Final Four. Wisconsin. (laughs) And no Big Ten team not named Michigan State, Michigan or Wisconsin has made the final four since Ohio State in 2012. Yeah. What's up with the Big Ten? Like, is it just anything's possible in March Madness? I think I know. Uh, The Big Ten has not lost a NCAA tournament game they haven't cared about. (laughs) (laughs) Will we turn to the SEC? (laughs) Alabama? Doesn't matter. I think the bigger issue here is what the Big Ten did to themselves. Now, I know that the Big Ten has not won a national title since, what was it, 2000, 2000. with Michigan State? 2000. When they got two teams into the Final Four. Now, they have had a ton of Final Four teams. They have had multiple teams that made it to the championship game. Yep. A, a number of teams that made it to the championship game. A number of Final Four teams. I mean, just off the top of my head, in the recent years, Michigan State has been in the championship game. Wisconsin, Michigan. Illinois, Michigan multiple times. They never could find a freaking winner. Yeah. So they've been pretty good. But you know what I think really kind of killed the Big Ten? It's when they moved to 20 conference games. Because when you think about it, you now get 20 conference games and 12 non-conference. That used to be 16, if I remember correctly, years ago. Yeah. So you yes. had you had roughly 16 conference games and the other roughly half of your schedule was non-conference where you didn't necessarily have to play cuz when you think of the Big 10 what do you think of Big 10 big, big stage? stage it's physical basketball if you're playing physical basketball for now 20 out of your 30 32 games you're, beat up. you're getting beat up you're getting worn down i think they did it to themselves if they went back to 16 games i think you would see big 10 teams with not only better records and better seeds, so you're playing against lower competition, but you're also not as beat up and you got some better, uh, we'll say, legs going forward. I, I think it really is the 20-game schedule, but we know why they moved to a 20-game schedule. It's all about the Benjamins. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Spreading farm information and occasionally manure. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, that's another job that's on a lot of Wisconsin farms to-do list that's going to have to push pause, especially with this weather forecast. We're partly sunny today, 43, partly sunny tomorrow and 46. Then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we've got better than a 50% chance of precipitation. Kind of depends where you are and the temperatures. Could be snow, could be rain. That does not help us 
with our manure management strategy, that's for sure. Today is the 27th day of March. On this day back in 1998, Viagra was approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Pfizer finding that a very successful uh, offering to the U.S. market. In 2012, the company made $2 billion just off of Viagra alone introduced on this day back in 1998. Happy birthday to Mariah Carey, as well as uh, screenwriter, producer, director, Quentin Tarantino. He is 60 years young. And now you know. Well, like we said, everybody kind of focused in on this weather situation, and that includes a lot of our Wisconsin livestock owners. Might be getting a little tight as far as hay supplies go right now, but the good news is Wisconsin's in a little bit better position as far as hay supplies compared to everybody else. Charity Seebecker joins us with more. Hay supply looks pretty good for Wisconsin thanks to a good 2022 crop. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. Wisconsin is an island of good supply in the midst of extreme shortages across the country. That's according to Emeritus Extension Forage Specialist Dan Undersander. He provides insight into what we can expect for 2023's crop and if winter kill is an issue. As far as winter kill, it's really too early to tell yet. We won't know for another month or so what the winter kill situation is. As you're aware, a lot of the region is still covered by snow or has recently been covered by snow. So uh, until the alfalfa starts to green up, we won't have any real idea of winter kill. We do encourage farmers to uh, go out and check some fields they're concerned about uh, as soon as the ground is thawed to dig the top six inches of a couple alfalfa crowns and look for the health of the crown. If it looks like a white turgid potato, then it's healthy. If it's brown and ropey, then it's it's dead or dying, and uh, that can give a person a little bit of jump on what the field as a whole is going to be like. Is right now winter 2022-23 bearing well for alfalfa? Uh, <laughs> well, I think so. Uh, several craveats there. The first thing is that the situation is always spotty. Some places had more consistent snow cover, some not. As I look at the northern two-thirds of the state, we've had snow pretty consistently all winter, so the chances of winter kill are quite low. Down here on the southern third of the state, uh, there is potential in some areas, particularly where we had some heavy rains and water standing in the fields. But again, we won't know until uh, the plants start to green up and we can do an assessment. Uh, At this time of year, all we can do is worry. How is price compared to supply looking right now? Well, uh, Wisconsin is uh, is kind of an island of good supply in the midst of uh, extreme shortages across the country. Uh, the hay supply is at its 50-year low, and so um, there are a lot of regions that are really short on hay. Uh, as I just said, though, unfortunately, uh, Wisconsin had a good year last year, uh, and our hay supply is more than adequate. We didn't have the drought that uh, basically the western half of the United States had, and this was their second year of drought. So um, that has given us a a big advantage in terms of of the uh, amount of hay that we have for sale. Having said that, the prices of hay are still uh, near to record highs, 
and uh, I'm looking at some uh, data from a week ago. It looks like the pay prices have stayed fairly consistent over winter, and they're still at about uh, $250 a ton for dairy quality hay in large square bales. The thing uh, that we need to uh, remember, though, is that we should be paying attention to that quality of the hay, and we should be buying by the ton and not by the bale. Another comment that I might make is that the uh, the form that the hay is in makes a big difference. Uh, large round bales sell for about $20 less than square bales, and small square bales sell for about $80 more. The small square bales, of course, are going into the horse industry and require much more labor. For more assistance with forages, contact your county extension office. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker. You text your kids how much snow you got. You tell your co-workers what you saw in your rain gauge. You even shared your rainfall in great detail to the cashier. So why don't you tell the National Weather Service? Weather observers help the National Weather Service create more accurate weather reports for your area. All you have to do is visit cocorahs.org to sign up and attend a quick online training. Then you're ready to report the weather from your own backyard. Tell the world your rainfall report at cocorahs.org. .org. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to the dairy farmers of Wisconsin, promoting Wisconsin's world-class dairy products since 1983. Look for their proudly Wisconsin badge on dairy products. And to Cleary Building Corp. They protect what you value. Visit clearybuilding.com to see the Cleary difference. Keep up with Pam at midwestfarmreport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Lots of red ink on the screens this morning for corn, soybeans, and wheat. Right now, we've got December corn trading down two cents at five fifty-eight. November beans down two cents at twelve seventy. July wheat—that's actually seven and a half cents lower right now, six ninety-two a bushel. On Friday in Chicago, barrel cheese gained a quarter of a cent to one ninety-six and a quarter. Forty-pound black cheese finished the week up four and a half at two ten. Double A butter—that was down a quarter of a cent at two thirty-four and a half. Per pound. Now, fluid milk for April is up six right now at 1999 a hundredweight. May milk is up a nickel at 1917 a hundredweights. Well, we are welcoming in high school seniors, actually, I should say high school students in general, grades 9 through 12, from across the state. Monday, April 10th, is the World Food Prize Wisconsin Youth Institute. Kind of a cool program. Basically, what it does is bring high school students to campus so they can interact with some of the researchers that are trying to address the critical global challenges for our food systems. And what I also find interesting is these kids don't just apply and get accepted. They actually had to research a global issue that they cared about, submit a research paper under the supervision of a teacher or mentor to qualify. Ninth Annual World Food Prize Wisconsin Youth Institute, Monday, April 10th. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
Staying connected with Wisconsin agriculture from your phone is now easier than ever with the Farm App. It's your source for the latest news, weather, and up-to-date markets. Catch up on our daily podcast and join the conversation on the topics that are directly impacting you. You can download the Farm App in Apple iTunes or Google Play stores by searching 97.7 FM The Farm, or you can visit MidwestFarmReport.com. Hi, it's Preston from Window World. Over the past 15 years, Window World has donated more than $15 million to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. We have also supported the Veterans Airlift Command with over 120 flights. We have a strong belief in giving back and want to thank everyone who has chosen Window World for their home's renovation. When you go with Window World, you're doing a lot more than remodeling. Call us today. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com, over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, we will be hearing him clearly tomorrow. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing on deck for our Tuesday show. Also, tomorrow is the day that the team's going to be headed up to the WPS Farm Show at the EAA Grounds in Oshkosh. Hope that we'll see you there. Wednesday, we're all going to be at Ag Day at the Capitol, Monona Terrace Convention Center for briefings before everybody takes off to the state capitol. So hopefully uh, the entire team will get a chance to uh, catch up with you somewhere down the road this week. Well, one gentleman that's been on the road for the past couple of weeks is Kurt Larson, President CEO of the Equity Livestock Sales Cooperative. Uh, they just wrapped up their district meetings uh, beginning of last week. And I'll tell you what, 2022 was a pretty good year for the equity barns, considering all the economic uh, influences around agriculture. I had a chance to visit with Kurt Larson, talk a little bit about those district meetings, and also talk a little bit about what he sees coming in 2023. You know, 2022, uh, we thought uh, COVID was in the rearview mirror, but we're still still struggling a little bit with uh, the workforce and, and labor issues. Um, we do have a, a pretty tremendous uh, group, a core group of employees uh, willing to travel between markets, make sure we're staffed where we need to. So we've been able to continue run, uh, running all of our normal sales as we, as we had scheduled. But uh, there's days it gets a little tight, uh, things get a little short. So, you know, we're, we're just letting producers know that uh, we're doing our best but a little bit of patience on their part when they get there and the line's a little bit long or they're waiting to check out and uh, and there's not as many people in the office as we'd like to have just uh, just be a little bit patient with us we're we're doing our best and uh, things producers can do if they can get their cattle in a little bit earlier so they're not showing up right at sale time uh, we have some some downtime we've got extra employees before the sale starts so we certainly can get them unloaded and out of there quite a bit quicker 
if they if they can get in a little bit earlier. So, um, you know, those are those are kind of the things we're talking about. We've dealt with some key uh, key employee turnover. Uh, several of our staff here in Baraboo have turned over in the last year. So again, we've got some some newer staff still getting up to speed, but uh, everybody's hit the ground running and, and doing a tremendous job. And then, of course, we've dealt with the inflationary pressures, just like everybody else has, uh, you know, from all of our input costs all the way around, whether it's utilities or fuel or uh, equipment costs, whatever. Um, and then, obviously, with our, our credit corporation uh, subsidiary, uh, we're seeing some of the effect of the raising, rising interest rates and uh, and been able to do some pretty good, uh, pretty good things for some producers uh, with some of our programs, um, getting, them, uh, getting them maybe a little bit better rate, getting them a little bit more... Uh, uh, working capital by helping them restructure some loans and those types of things. So, uh, a lot of good things going on uh, in the last year. So, been been pretty exciting. We're looking forward to to reporting more of that and and talking about that with our producers. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, like you said, equity is a whole lot more than just a livestock barn. Talk to me a little bit about volumes, uh, Kurt. Um, you know, everybody I think from the outside says, oh well, you know. Uh, fewer animals in Wisconsin, you know, there's just different ways of doing business. You guys had a pretty good year handling, you know, business numbers-wise on animals too, didn't you? Right, we did, Pam. It was, uh, you know, pretty pretty steady uh, overall uh, volumes the last probably three years, 2020, 2021, into 2022. Um, and obviously January and February are looking, uh, February was off a little bit with, with some real not cooperative weather. It seemed like every just about every Thursday in February, it seemed like we got a snowstorm, so that uh, that didn't help our cause. But, but yeah, overall, 22 was was right in there with 20 and 21. Um, obviously, not uh, not the same numbers that we were seeing back in in 17, 18, and 19. But uh, any of the any of the industry literature you read talks about um, the decline in in uh, the national herd, and and we see that in Wisconsin a little bit too. So, um, you got to sometimes you got to do your comparison a little more shorter term. Um, you get too far out. You're not comparing apples to apples anymore. So, again, pretty pretty happy with uh, with what we handled in 22. Um, you know, we've got some different metrics we use to look at our market share, and and we think uh, we think we we did well with our market share, and and we're pretty excited about uh, where we think we're going to go in 23. Excellent. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, the rest of 23 and how you, as president and CEO of Equity Livestock, kind of going to be managing through things. It's not just about personnel. It's not just about barn flow. It's also about planning for the future, thinking about what your business model's got to look like down the road. Sometimes that's technical capabilities within your infrastructure, Kurt. Sometimes it's pure physical capabilities. I know that's always on your mind. What kinds of things are you talking with members about or planning for as a board? Sure, definitely. Um, that is that is one of our focuses getting into 23. We're, we're looking to do a little bit more strategic um, quite honestly, 20 with the COVID really shifted us to a survival mode. Um, you know, 21 was was largely the same thing, and 22 was was kind of a recovery year. Uh, so 23, we want to get back to the basics, get back to more strategic. Um, you know, really trying to figure out, uh, you know, what what producers are going to need and where they're going to need it uh, for the long term. Um, really being strategic about those investments and the cooperative and and where we can provide the most value to our patrons. Um, really looking to to continue to improve some of our efficiencies, um, you know, and then where where we can uh, put some investments in to continue to grow our our volumes and uh, whether that's the livestock volumes or loan volumes, um, you know, and try to do all of that uh, while we can maintain a positive bottom line and a positive cash flow. Yeah, you're right, Kurt. I mean, you're, the bo- the model that Equity was built on 
uh, throughout its history has served well, but uh, technology can do a lot of things uh, today as well. There's a lot of online opportunities. Is that something Equity investigates? I mean, I'm just thinking about not only facilities, but your people power. Is technology going to play a part of that discussion going forward? We're definitely looking at that. I mean, just from the Cali USA standpoint, we've we've currently offer that at uh, four of our markets: our our Monroe market, our Wakan market, and then uh, was added in the last year at uh, Altoona and and Stratford. Um, so we are we are utilizing some of those tools where we can. Um, you know, we know under the the Cali USA model, there's some particular things that need to be met there uh, as far as types of cattle and volumes to get those buyers engaged and, and make it worth their while. So not not a fit for every market. And obviously, you know, we're we're a little bit rural with some of our locations, so so having that adequate bandwidth and, and necessary technology to be able to support it uh, can be a challenge in some locations. But and we continue to look at some other possibilities, uh, you know, online resources and um, and some different things along that line that, that could be added into our our network as well to uh, to provide some additional service outside of what Cali USA offers. So, yeah, we're continuing to look at those. And again, things have to be a, a pretty good fit. We need to understand what, what we're getting into so we can do a good job. Um, you know, you, you can take a really good product and, and ruin it on the rollout if, if you're not ready and don't know what you're doing. So we, we want to make sure we've got those things thoroughly investigated and, and we really know we can support it and, and know what we're getting into before we start down that road. Projecting forward a little bit, Kurt, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I guess we'd say, the, the bigger picture that keeps you awake nights when it comes to our livestock industries. Kurt's very connected, obviously, not just on the state or regional, but also the national level. And lately, a lot of international-related conversations. What kinds of items do you hope producers, regardless of be it beef or swine, are kind of staying engaged in. we got a farm bill coming up, and maybe as importantly, we've got a lot of international discussions unfolding. Right, Pam. Um, probably the uh, the biggest topic, uh, you know, the one that keeps me awake the most at nights right now is probably the whole uh, biosecurity and uh, and disease outbreak uh, front. Um, you know, we've been wrestling with this uh, African swine uh, fever here for quite a while, and, and the pork side, and um, here just recently with Brazil and, and their their two positive BSE tests, uh, uh, you know that 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 could be a a real major concern for us going forward if if we have something like that. Uh, you know, we we saw the basically the same day that Brazil announced their first positive test, uh, China announced they were not taking any more uh, beef from Brazil, uh, and, uh, at least temporarily until that's resolved. Um, China had been Brazil's biggest customer, taking about 60% of the product they export. So something like that happens here, that, that would have a drastic uh, effect through our, our entire uh, beef supply chain. So I want to make sure we keep that in mind and, and figure out what we can do to mitigate some of those things and how we can be prepared um, should we have to face a situation like that. Mm-hmm. And like we said, that's why it's a good good opportunity to talk to Kurt from time to time because there's always something developing and with a farm bill on the horizon, even more that producers, be it beef, be it dairy, be it hogs, have to stay engaged with. Kurt Larson, President, CEO of the Equity Livestock Sales Association. Find out more at equitycoop.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.